Good evening, everyone. Um, as Amelia said, my name's Dave, and it is my absolute privilege to be sharing with you on Easter Sunday. We're going to go through that passage in Mark chapter 15 in just a moment, but before we do, I'm going to lead us in prayer. So please pray with me. Our gracious and everlasting Father, we pray that you enlighten our eyes, as Paul said in Ephesians, so that we might know the hope to which you have called us, the glorious inheritance that is in store for us. Father, we thank you so much that you have called us into your family. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So, I... Tonight's talk is sort of going to come in, in two halves. The first half is going to be a little bit uncomfortable, and that's sort of meant to be the way, and, and uh, we'll move on um, into, some, into some light as, as the end of the talk comes. But Easter morning starts in darkness. Modern Western culture, so the culture we live in, does a really good job at marginalising death. In most cultures throughout the world, throughout time, death has been much more in your face, in the streets and sometimes in your home. But our culture likes to keep any signs of death in hospitals, in nursing homes. And we even numb ourselves to the, the pains, the pangs of death through analgesia. We've marginalised death in our culture. Philip Reef, who is a now dead American sociologist, he once said, in past times, people did not go to church to be made happy. They went to have their misery explained to them. And that's at least partly true. Christianity has its eyes wide open to the most painful realities in life. And Easter Sunday, uh, it's no different. As hard as it is to accept, death is inevitable. Uh, the common book of prayer, so the Anglican prayer book, puts it like this. Man that is born of woman hath but a short time to live and is full of misery. He cometh up and is cut down like a flower. He fleeth, as it were, a shadow and never continueth in one stay sort of feel like breaking the darkness by saying happy Easter everyone we're going to get there in a second so we catch up the story in Mark chapter 15 in, in the previous uh, passage in, oh, as we read on Good Friday Jesus had been crucified between two criminals he was hanging naked he was shamed and he was going to die by suffocation that all happened during the day, and now it's night, so it's dark. It's Friday evening, and read with me from verse 43. Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the council, who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, went boldly to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Pilate was surprised to hear that he was already dead. Summoning the centurion, he asked him if Jesus had already died. When he learned from the centurion that it was so, he gave the body to Joseph. So Joseph bought some linen cloth, took down the body, wrapped it in the linen and placed it in a tomb cut out of rock. Then he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, 
saw where the body was laid. So we start in darkness. It's literally dark on Friday night. And we've followed Joseph from Pilate's courtyard. Uh, we followed him carrying Jesus' body to the tomb. And then at the end in verse 47, we hear of Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of Joseph, which leads us straight into chapter 16. So look at chapter 16, verse 1 with me. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb. So here we have Mary Magdalene, who followed Jesus ever since she was healed by Jesus from seven uh, demons. And also we have the other Mary, who's actually Jesus' aunt. They were approaching the tomb and they were carrying spices. And so that tells you what they were expecting at the tomb. They were expecting what anyone else would have been expecting at the tomb. They were expecting a dead and decomposing body. And they were going to put spices on that body. That's the way of all of us, isn't it? We're flowers in the field. Jesus went the way of humankind. One piece I was reading during the week, uh, the author thought that instead of news reports um, saying that lives were saved when someone recovers from COVID-19, this particular author thought it'd be more accurate to say Deaths delayed. He says, whilst this might be culturally tasteless, it's technically more accurate. Okay, hopefully you're feeling the the tinge of the darkness. But it's Easter. And so we're certainly not going to end in the darkness. I don't know if you noticed a very important detail in verse 2 of chapter 16. Mark's gospel is a gospel that doesn't have as many stories about Jesus in it. It's a shorter gospel, but the stories that it does have, have more detail. The details in the stories that Mark gives are very important. And I don't know if you notice the detail in verse 2. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, and it goes on. Darkness is fading. Light is coming. A few years ago, I went to a more liturgical church. And um, I went there for Easter Sunday. The service actually started at midnight. And as soon as midnight struck, the minister walked in from the back and he lit a torch at the back of the church. The church was pitch black. He couldn't see a thing. And as soon as he lit the torch, the church lit up, of course. It was a symbol of despair giving into hope. And that's what's happening, at least beginning to happen in verse 4. But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. So these women went expecting death, but they found something very, very different. In 2013, there was a festival in Sydney. It was called the Festival of Dangerous Ideas. And the ABC's Q&A program set up a panel for this festival. And one of the people on the panel, um, his name was 
Peter Hitchens. He's the brother of a very, a very famous atheist, Christopher Hitchens. And Peter was asked a question on the panel. I'm going to share a screen with you and you're going to see this short video. One moment. Which so-called dangerous idea do you each think would have the greatest potential to change the world for the better if it were implemented? Peter. The most, the most dangerous idea in human history and philosophy remains the belief that Jesus Christ was the Son of God and rose from the dead. And that is the most dangerous idea you will ever encounter. Just quickly, uh, I think you can't really leave it there. Why dangerous? I can't really do that because it alters the whole of human behavior and all our responsibilities. It turns the universe from meaningless chaos uh, into, a, into a designed place in which there is justice and there, and there is hope. And therefore we all have a duty to discover the nature of that justice and work towards that hope. It alters us all. If we reject it, it alters us all as well. It is incredibly dangerous. It's why so many people turn against it. So if it really is true that Jesus was raised, if the angel was right, Peter Hitchens says, he says three things. He, he says that um, the resurrection changes our responsibilities. He, he says that the resurrection turns our universe into one of meaningless chaos, into a design place. And then he says it means as well that there is true justice. I'm going to go through each one of those. I think they're all really significant. He said that the resurrection changes our responsibilities. The resurrection isn't just a, a, a random miracle in the Bible. The whole Bible has been leading up until this point. Jesus is God's king who has trampled over sin and death. And that has what the Old Testament has been waiting for. The resurrection is confirming that Jesus is king. And if that's true, then Peter Hitchens is right when he says the resurrection changes our responsibilities. We are ultimately responsible to Jesus. We're freed to live for, for only our own desires, desires that so often pull us down. We're free to live for someone else. We're responsible to someone else. We live for him, the Lord and King. If Jesus rose from the dead, that's true. And that's a life-altering idea, a dangerous idea. That's the first thing he said. The second thing he said was that it turns the universe from one of chaos and meaninglessness into one of being a designed place. The atheist Richard Dawkins is very famous for saying these words. In a universe of electrons and selfish genes, some people are going to get hurt and you won't find any rhyme or reason to it, nor any justice. The universe that we observe has precisely the properties we should expect if there is at bottom nothing but pitiless indifference. If Jesus did come back to life with the same body but made new, if that's true, then there really is a God who can transform the disorder of a decomposing body into one of renewed order with systems being restarted, bodily systems being restarted. If Jesus did rise from the dead, then at bottom, our universe is not indifferent. Our universe is upheld by a God who brings life 
from chaos. That's very different to what Richard Dawkins thinks. At bottom, if the resurrection is true, we have a universe that is being upheld by God who can bring life from death, life from chaos. That's very significant. And thirdly, the third thing Peter Hitchens said was that the resurrection shows us that there is true justice. We live in a society that cries out for justice. I'm sure you'd agree. Just think about the George Pell case um, on either side. They're, They're crying out for justice. If the resurrection never happened, then the corrupt Roman and Jewish authorities had the final word. Jesus was killed innocently. Injustice wins out. If the resurrection never happened, our only hope is a very fallible human judicial system. But if God really did vindicate Jesus, if God did vindicate him by, vindicate him by rising him from the dead, from the false verdict of the human authorities then there is justice beyond human justice. There is a thing called justice, and it's true. There are three really significant implications of the resurrection. If the resurrection is true, it is a world-changing idea. It is a dangerous historical event. If it's true, it, it ought to transform your life. That's why I love verse 8. That's the end of the passage, verse 8. I love verse 8. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Verse 8 is a reminder for us never to domesticate or become too comfortable with the resurrection. The resurrection is an earth-shattering idea historical event. It changes things. And the women realized this at an instinctual level. They realized how significant it was. And they went away afraid. Easter Sunday starts in darkness, but it ends in great light. I'm going to share a story of someone who came to love the message of Easter. So her name is Joni Erickson, and she was 18 when she was involved in an accident, and she could not, for the rest of her life after the accident, feel or move from the neck down. She was in a wheelchair, and so she was coming to grips with this, and she'd find herself in a church service. And um, quite frequently in the church service, the minister would say to everyone to kneel, to pray, And whenever the minister said this, Joni would burst out into tears because it just reminded her that she was in a wheelchair and she couldn't do that. And then one Sunday celebration, the minister said again that he invited people to kneel to pray. And Joni was just about to burst into tears, but for some reason she, instead of bursting into tears, prayed the prayer. And it was a prayer about resurrection and it hit her she writes in her book I suddenly realised that when I get to the wedding feast of the lamb the first thing I'll be able to do 
on my resurrected legs is to drop down on grateful, glorified knees and kneel quietly before the feet of Jesus. And then I'm going to get on my feet and I'm going to dance. She adds, can you imagine the hope the resurrection gives someone who is spinal cord injured like me? Can you imagine the hope this gives someone who's just manic depressive? And finally, she writes, no religion, no other philosophy promises new bodies. Only in the gospel of Jesus Christ, do hurting people like me find such enormous hope to live by. Happy Easter, everyone. I'm going to pray. Father God, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for what this day promises us. It promises us a future beyond our imagining with Jesus on the throne and us all with new bodies in eternal life. Father, help us realize how great a day this is, that this is the end of death and sin and evil and injustice. This day, it points to a day when you will come, when you will return and make all things new by the one you've appointed, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. In his name we pray. Amen. Uh, We're going to sing a song.